Good morning. Turn me in your Bibles to John chapter 12, and we want to look at uh, verses 27 through 36, and look at what happened when Christ said, when I am lifted up, when I am lifted up. As you're turning there, um, I want you to know it's on our connection card today. Um, last year, we added something to our summer program, and that is a, a children's camp uh, in Texas uh, that we partner with Celtus Baptist Church in Lufkin, and uh, we all go to a, to a camp, and, uh, and for a few days, uh, our children, uh, first through sixth graders, learn about Christ and, and about salvation, um, and it was just a, an amazing experience last year for all that uh, went. And this year we have, I think, 13 children going, uh, as well as sponsors, uh, in addition, uh, and, and uh, some sponsors additionally to that number. Um, and every year we want to just provide some help. Uh, th- those parents have paid a deposit, um, and we did this last year. We asked you to help give scholarships, and the cool thing about last year is everyone got a scholarship. And so I would love to be able to go back and, and tell the parents uh, again this year that, that uh, those other costs are covered. And so there's three options there. Uh, would you like to donate a full scholarship of $150? Um, would you like to donate half a scholarship of $75? Or would you like to donate a partial scholarship in the amount of, and you can fill that in. And uh, so we would love to have a great response from that. If you would just fill that out, put that on the offering plate as it comes by later, and let us know uh, that you would like to provide some help and scholarships to these children. That's, that's investment that you just can't beat right there, is giving money so that a child can go to camp, learn more about God, and, uh, and I would encourage you to give generously to that. John chapter 12, verses 27 through 36. This is Jesus speaking to the crowd that had come to worship at Passover, the crowd that was there likely right after His triumphal entry. And then we also have some Greeks, right, that we talked about last week that walked up. But He's talking to this crowd, and this is what He says. It says in verse 27, "My Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify Your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said, uh, that heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake and not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. And the main idea that I want us to look at this morning is that 
though the cross was difficult, though the cross was a difficult path, Jesus walked it for the glory of His Father's name, for the defeat of His enemies, and for His love for us. So, first I want to look at the, the fact that Jesus embraced the cross though it troubled Him. Uh, it says here that His soul was troubled. Well, why was His soul troubled? Well, it was troubled about what was coming. It was troubled because of the cross. Now, all of the Gospels kind of give us this insight into the life of, of Jesus because we have in the other Gospels, we have that moment in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Where He uh, asks His disciples to pray. He goes a little ways further and it talks about Him sweating as if great, great drops of blood. And it talks about the anguish and He even asks God, if there's if there's any other way, if there's a plan B, I, I can't. Man, plan A is going to be so difficult. Can we? Can we? Is there any other way? And then, of course, he reaffirms. But whatever, whatever you've called me to do, I'm going to do it. Now, John, we're going to see in the Garden of Gethsemane. He focuses on what's called the high priestly prayer. So, John is going. This is John's insight. This is John letting us know. That inside, it's not just that Jesus is just running to the cross with excitement. Oh, I can't wait to feel the wrath of God, to be rejected by my Father, uh, to have the sins world's place on me. This is going to be so much fun that, that there is real dread, folks. Like dread, like we, like not even, it can even compare, right? Uh, our, our dread that we fear at moments doesn't compare to this dread. There was a true dread in the mind and the heart of Christ. We see that while Christ is God in the flesh, he, uh, while God, He is God in the flesh, He still has flesh. And the sin, that sense of fear and agony was part of walking in the flesh. And yet, while we see His dread, we, like the other Gospels declare, we see His resolve despite His dread. Here's how Jesus responds to the dread that haunts his heart. He responds, And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. He says, man, yeah, I'm, I'm scared. This is going to be awful. But what am I going to say? Am I going to say, God let me off the hook? Am I going to say, even though I've been ordained for the foundations of the earth to do this. No, we're, 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 we're going to leave man in their sins. I'm going to come back to heaven. He's like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. He said, my ultimate purpose is to glorify the Father's name. This mission far outweighs my own personal comfort. And so I think just on Father's Day, I think there's great application here. There's great application here. We see Christ who knows to do the right thing, to do what He's been called to do, is going to hurt. It's going to cost Him. It's going to be incredibly just so much discomfort in the next 24 hours. And yet He says, Let's do it, God. Let me glorify Your name. Fathers, as being fathers, we're called to a difficult task. We're called 
to lead our family for God in a world that is godless. We are called to make sacrifices for our family. And it's hard and it's difficult, but it's our calling and we should look. And in Christ is the perfect man, right? He is manhood personified because He says, it's hard, but I'm going to do it because it's to the glory of my Father. And I think that is a great testimony of what we are to be as men. To look upon the task of fatherhood, the task of being a grandfather, the task of whatever God has called us to do and say, it's going to hurt, it's going to be painful, but it is to the glory of the Father's name, so I will do it. But it's, it's more than just Him serving as an example, right? Because... Hebrews 4.15 says, because he knew that, right? Because in every way he was tempted as we are yet without sin, we're able to go to him when we need, when we're in need, when we, when we, in fatherhood, when it's so hard, I can't possibly do this. We can turn to a Christ that understands, that is very present in, in our need and in our time of trouble, that we call on the throne of grace because he's, he's lived with the dread of duty and doing the right thing even when it's hard. So turn to Christ and rely on Him. He will help you. See, in the light of Christ, uh, troubled but, but resolved soul, we have something that is, has only happened on occasion in, in, in Christ's life, and that is the audible voice of the Father. We've, we saw it at His baptism, right? We saw it at the Mount of Transfiguration, but it's a rare thing. And the Father responds uh, after Jesus says this, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. It seems the Father is really establishing two things here. First of all, He's establishing, I'm always going to glorify My name. That, that when we will align ourselves as Christ aligned Himself, it only, all that matters is the glory of, of God's name. And that's my prayer. And it's not about my comfort. It's not about me doing what I want to do. It's about the glory of the Father's name. When we pray those prayers, we will always have our prayers answered. When we align our strike, when we are aligned with wanting the glory of the Father's name. When it's for Him, for His glory, and not our own. And the Father says, I will, I will always honor that prayer. But second, He's just reassuring His Son, right? His Son has a troubled soul. And He's coming on the scene to let Him know, absolutely, the, the task at hand is difficult, but I will be with you. Your Father is going to be with you. I'm behind your mission. And the people are confused. They, they heard a voice, but they saw nothing. And, and they assume it's either a thunder or an angel. Now, this spring, we've had some doozy storms, haven't we? I mean, you probably, if you've had small children, you've had some thunder and lightning that sent them jumping into your bed with force because they're scared. I mean, nothing is as intimidating as just a giant clap of thunder, whether you're a child or an adult. And yet, this is what the people 
when they heard the voice of God said it sounded like. When, the, when, when God the Father spoke in the glory of His name and, and in His affection to reassure the Son, it sounded like thunder. How powerful, how amazing must our God be to sound like that in His voice. So now that Jesus has acknowledged His dread, and faced and, 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 and prayed, faced it and prayed that his father uh, would, would be with him. Now he turns to a description of what the cross is going to accomplish. Why? This is why he's going to do it. This is why, despite its difficulty, besides the fact that it's troubling his heart, this is why he moves forward. And there's three main things. It's, uh, it's here that Jesus embraces the cross for all that it would accomplish. And here are its accomplishments. First, His judgment of the world. His judgment of the world. It says in verse 31, Now is the judgment of this world. Notice at first, first it says that now is the judgment of the world. The cross was, was not just some big event on history's timeline. It is the event of history. I mean, what happened at Christ's death, it was established in eternity past. And the ramifications of it will go into eternity future. And it played out in this moment in history. And every day there's judgment given for Christ because every day there are those who believe and there are those who reject Him. So there's this continued judgment through his work on the cross in revelation 5 6 it says this and between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders i saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain in seven horns with seven eyes which are the seven spirits of god sent out into all the earth we see that like even in the final description of the end times right we it's almost as if it's happening uh, it's, 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 they're just looking back at the cross. Because it's, that's how important it is that it's as if it's happening in, because it's all, it's, it's there. It's the overarching fact of the world, of, of Christ's death. And the judgment referenced here is both negative and positive. For those who remain in their rebellion, it's to be a negative judgment. Those that deny Christ will be, will be judged according to their works and they will be found wanting. The death of Christ leaves them without excuse. The Father in His great love gave His Son His most precious possession to be tortured and crucified. And it's not going to go well for those who reject it. There will be judgment. For all of eternity. This judgment also has a positive aspect. This is judgment also in the sense of setting things in order. You see, through Adam's sin, world, the world was, was put out of order. The world was not as it should be. Romans 8.19 describes this. It says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope. 
that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. The cross of Christ reverses the curse, y'all. I've been watching a a docudrama on Chernobyl, right? The nuclear fallout uh, from the reactor in Ukraine. And uh, it was, it's, it's, it's an amazing to look back and to see because of a few, few people's mistakes, a whole area was contaminated and thrown off balance. And, and I had, I had understood the event itself, but I, I did not understand the cleanup and, and what had to take place and thousands of people putting their life on the line, many of them dying to clean up this mess. And even to this day, like if you go in that area, you can't stay there, right? You gotta go in, do a little tourism and get out. And then there, even then there's some areas where you dare not go because you will be contaminated. In the same way, because of Adam's sin, right? The, the world has been thrown out of balance and, 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 and it's, it's eating us alive. It's killing us. But Christ, is the cleanup plan, right? Although Russia had to throw, and Ukraine had to throw thousands of people into this cleanup effort of, of clean up the animals, of, of bulldozing the ground, of doing all these things, and many of them died. It took one man, Christ, to die for the cleanup of the whole world. And all of that one day will be set in order. He will judge it. He will set it back in order. And it will be perfect. There will be no no shadow of, of the radiation of sin left. He will clean it up. And this is what He did when He died on the cross in the judgment of the world. That He would fix, He would judge what is wrong and set it right. The effects of sin, thankfully, are on borrowed time. So not only was it judgment, it was also His defeat of Satan. It says in verse 31, Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. The cross is, is going to defeat Satan. In his pride, Satan had orchestrated this event. He had he had pushed Judas into that horrible betrayal. He had set everything in order that he was going to kill the Son of God. In his pride, he never saw. He never saw the prophecies that that showed that this would be his undoing. This would be his death. Colossians 2.14 says, canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal, legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. Christ absolutely stomped His enemies into the ground as He laid there dying. Isn't that amazing? Because He didn't stay dead, right? He came out of the tomb and He crushed His enemies with His victory over death. We can have hope in this world, folks, though it looks like 
Satan is rampant. Satan is on borrowed time as well. He will be thrown into the pit. And he will be judged. He will be cast out of all of his authority. You also see his drawing of all people to himself. He says, And I, verse 32, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Christ celebrates what His work on the cross will do in creating a people of His own possession. And the cross, the cross draws people to Himself from all over the world. John says in verse uh, 33, He said this to show by what kind of death He was going to die. So this, this idea of, draw, of, uh, of when I'm lifted up was, was words used to describe the crucifixion of being lifted up off the ground Onto the cross. And this is what he says will draw people to himself. This. This. This miserable death on a cross is what he says is going to draw people. Folks, think about that for a moment. It's not our nice buildings. That will draw people. It's not our quality music that will draw people. It's not our fancy programs that will draw people. It's not our good works in the community that will draw people. It's not even our fancy presentations of the gospel that will draw people. It's just a simple declaration of Christ lifted up on the cross. That's what draws people. The gospel is what saves. Sure, we should have nice buildings. In welcoming buildings. Sure, we should have quality music. Should we be out in our community doing good works of service? Absolutely. But we must always remember that all of that is just a means to declare the simple truth of Christ lifted up on the cross. It's the Gospel. That's why we Wyatt, value the centrality of the Gospel. It's central. It will always be central if we hope to always be a church. That is what saves. It all comes down to the cross because it is what draws. We see next is Jesus urgently calls the people to embrace Him as the light of the world. So the crowd, they, they, they think through, that okay, He's talking about His death or He's talking about He's leaving. And that doesn't make any sense because in our tradition, the Messiah, when He comes, is supposed to be here forever. This doesn't jive with the tradition that we know that there's a Messiah that comes, He's supposed to stay. And, and I think when we think about their words and we think about their concerns, it's likely not that they're wrong, it's just that they're confused in the timing. They are they are looking to the second coming, which absolutely Christ comes to stay. Christ comes to dwell with His people for all of eternity. But this is His first coming that, that they weren't, they didn't quite have right. That before that, that second coming, when He would set all things in order, that He would be there for eternity, that He would first come and suffer and die. 
but yet they're confused. They say, who is this son of man? They thought, okay, we've gathered around him. We thought maybe he was it, but if he's leaving, then can, can, he be, can he be him? So Jesus then goes back to that description of himself that John loves and uses frequently. He describes himself as light. Look at verse 35. So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. This harkens back to the very first words of John, right? In John chapter 1, verse 4, he is the, calls him the light of men. In verse 9, the true light which gives light unto everyone was coming into the world. And they want to know who Jesus is. And Jesus tells them, I am the light of the world. And you're, you're in darkness. You're stumbling in darkness. Last week before we left on the Albuquerque mission trip, I was getting some things ready, getting my garden in order, uh, making sure it had water and all that. So it was late at night, and I was about to go out and check on it. And, I, and, and the thing at our house is we have 20 flashlights, at least. None of them work, because my girls like to play with them. And they leave them on. And so I, at any given time, I have 20 flashlights, maybe one working, if I can find the one of the 20. And I thought, you know, I, I, I walk outside in the dark a lot, but I need to grab a light. I'm going to be walking out towards the garden. And so I go and I do find, I do, by God's grace, find a light that my girls haven't messed with. And I take it and I'm heading out to my garden and I, I'm walking down through there. Just and all of a sudden, I'm about to step on a copperhead. If you know me, you know how I feel about snakes. Not, not cool. And, and I just like, if I hadn't had the flashlight, that's what I would have done. I would have walked right into a copperhead. Y'all, that is darkness. That's what darkness does. It hides the danger. It keeps us from realizing the danger that we're in. And here's the thing about spiritual darkness. It's not just out there. It's in our own soul. There's darkness within us. But Christ is the light that overcomes the darkness. He's the light that shows the dangers. He is the light that burns away the darkness of our soul. So notice the urgency that Jesus mingles into His discussion of Himself as light. He says in verse 35, the light among, uh, uh, among you for a little while longer. Walk while you, while you have the light. In verse 36, while you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. There's an urgency here. Maybe because the people continue to throw up suspicion after all that they've seen. He wants them to know, look, it's time. Like you've seen, you've seen the things I've done. You've heard my declarations about myself. It's time. I'm almost headed to the cross. It's time that you believe so you can be sons of light, so you can be daughters of light. Listen to me this morning. If Christ is revealing Himself to you as the light, don't delay. Don't walk out of this place back into the darkness 
Walk out of here as a son, daughter, or daughter of light that no longer has to fear the darkness. You have no guarantee. You have no guarantee that you'll ever come to another moment where you see Christ as the light as you have your eyes open in that kind of way. So respond to it. Though the cross was a difficult path, Jesus walked it for the glory of the Father's name. And that should be what we do. We should look at difficulty and and fathers. There's much difficulty in being a father. But we should look to Christ's example and also go to the throne of grace that He's established through the dread that He felt in His heart and yet fought against to glorify the Father. Folks, in this in this week, as you're heading in, you, you don't know what to expect. Maybe you do know what to expect and you're terrified. Know that Christ has defeated the enemy. Know that Christ has thrown out the enemy of this world. And that you can take hope because He has conquered. And remember that Christ endured the cross because He loved us. In His great love for us, He gathered up a people through His death that they might know Him and know the eternal blessings and inheritance that He provides. We are loved. We are loved more than we can possibly imagine. Let us live in the hope of that love. I'm going to ask our musicians to come and I'm going to ask you to please stand and we'll pray and However God has spoken to you through His Word, I would ask that you would respond. Uh, maybe it's to come down front and to pray. Maybe it's to come down front and, and talk about the Gospel and talk about becoming a son or daughter of light through your belief in Christ. However God has spoken to you, respond this morning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, I thank You for your giving of Christ. And I thank You that although it was a difficult path, He walked it. God, I pray that we would all, in a similar way, glorify You even when it's hard. God, help us to know that that power comes through the power that Christ has provided by the cross. God, help us to, to go into a world and to be as Christ in, in, in our urgency for others to be drawn to You, to, to hear and to be drawn by the Gospel. God, give an urgency in our hearts for that. God, thank You for the love of the cross that helps us to know, to know that we are loved as sons and daughters of light. God, if there's anyone here who's not a son or daughter of light, that has not believed, God, I pray that they would respond to you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.